0: All right, Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. I don't know about you, but I needed to be in the house of God today. I needed to worship our King today. Um, and, and I'm just so grateful to be able to do that with family today. And so I want to take a minute just before we get into our new series and just look into the cameras and welcome in our family who's joining us right now over at the North Campus and all of our family joining us online, wherever you are watching or listening from. And a special shout out to Upshur County Jail. Come on, South Campus. Let's tell them how much we love them. We love you so much, you know, and and what makes us family is Jesus, and I just want you to know in case there's any questions, he is the only reason that we're here today, is to lift up the name of Jesus. He's the one that brings us together. This is his church, and I'm just so honored to be a part of it. Uh, Like I mentioned to you earlier, we are starting a new series today, though, and it's called How to Live Through a Bad Day, and uh, how many of you have had a bad day before? Yeah, here's what I know. Here's what I know. Um, everybody has had a bad day before Some of you are having a bad day today, you know, maybe you woke up and something went wrong uh, Maybe someone said something to you. Maybe that someone was your spouse and maybe you fought on the way to church today I don't know Maybe you got some bad news, but I do know that everybody has either been through a bad day In a bad day or gonna have a bad day at some point in the future because we live In a fallen world and Jesus never promised us when you come follow me, you'll never have another bad day in your life No, he said you will have trouble But i'll be with you in that trouble and so This series is actually based on a book by jack hayford that he wrote many years ago And the book was called how to live through a bad day And it is examining the seven statements that jesus made on the cross on good friday Which to us as we look back on it. It was a good day but I promise you, on that Friday, it was not a good day for the disciples or for Jesus. It was a difficult, painful day. And so what, we, what we're going to do in this series is we're going to look at those seven statements that Jesus made on the cross, and we're going to learn some things from them. And where we get that is Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, that says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We're in this life, which is a race, and he's encouraging us to run with endurance. And what, how do we do that? We look Unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, faith the beginning and the perfecter of it Who for the joy that was set before him Endured the cross Despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of god. I love this scripture Because it says that that jesus endured the pain of the cross for the joy that was set before him And you need to know today that you were the joy that was set before him. He endured that day for you And as we look to Jesus and how he got through difficult days and moments, we're going to learn how to get through and endure through our most difficult and painful moments of life. And the things that he said on that cross are very profound and very powerful, and I hope to gain many insights from them in this series. And this series will take us all the way into Easter when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus So today we're going to look at the first statement that Jesus made on the cross. And you actually have to look through the four gospels. They're not all listed in one place. You have to look at all four gospels to gather everything that he said. And the first one is found in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. And it said, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. This is the first thing that Jesus said while suffering on the cross, Father, forgive. Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. This is profound on many levels. And it's so powerful and important that we understand that it's the first thing that Jesus said because forgiveness is the first thing that you have to do to get through your most difficult and painful moments in life. Because if we don't start with forgiveness, we'll stay stuck in that moment. We'll stay stuck in our pain and we'll never move out of what, uh, into what God has for us in our life. It's powerful that Jesus said it first. And he said, Father, forgive them. Who? The people who were doing incredibly painful things to him, right? And if we're honest, life would be a lot easier if it weren't for people. People are what makes life great and painful all at the same time. You probably wouldn't have any bad days if it weren't for people. Because even as you're thinking about this now, you're probably thinking about difficult people who you have to deal with that have caused some difficult moments in your life. And if they're with you, don't look at them today. (laughs) This is not a blame game, right? Like he's talking about you. You're the painful moment in my life. No, that's horrible. But what's making it so powerful is Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them. Forgive the ones who are hurting me. Forgive the ones who are causing the pain to me. Forgive the ones that are trying to ruin my life. And this is the first thing we have to do is forgive everyone who is trying to ruin your life. This is how we perceive it, isn't it? That this person is trying to ruin my life. And we can look at even the last couple of years to serve as a great example of how everybody everywhere thinks everyone is trying to ruin their life. I mean, literally, and and, and if you watch the media and you look at social media and you get on the news, they will convince you that someone else is trying to ruin your life with the way that they think, with their policies, with their hate, whatever it may be, they will convince you that someone else is going to do something to you to try to ruin your life. And that's where cancel culture has come from. Say, if somebody does something we don't like, we try to ruin their life by canceling them. And this is something that we've been sold, it's something that we see, and, and it, as a cause of that, we begin to think that people are the ones who are ruining our life, and that there are going to be always opportunities to be offended, to be hurt. I mean, Jesus told us this, this should not come as a surprise to us. Jesus said, hey, there are opportunities for offense are going to grow, or he could have said it this way, opportunities for forgiveness are going to grow. In Matthew twenty four ten, when talking to his disciples about the last days, he said, and in those days, many will be offended and they will betray one another and they will hate one another. Those th- offense, betrayal, and hate are rampant right now. Everybody's offended. Everybody's betraying each other. You can see hate everywhere. It's very easy to see. And then he goes on in Luke 17, 1 to say, hey, it's impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him who through they do come. It's impossible that you would not have the opportunity to be offended at a person. It's impossible that you would not have the opportunity to be betrayed by a person. It's impossible that you would not have the opportunity to hate somebody. It's going to happen because they're going to mess up because they're humans. They're going to hurt you. These opportunities are always going to be there. And if somebody knew about that, it was Jesus. Especially if you look at the last week of his life leading up to Uh, The the cross or even the last 24 hours before jesus went to the cross So much happened to him in that short amount of time that happens to us in our lifetime But it happened to him in a very condensed amount of time You tell me if you've ever experienced Any of these things that jesus experienced at that time betrayal Have you ever experienced betrayal? Yes, a lot of amen (laughs) By by a friend, maybe Someone who was close to you, supposed to be sticking with you, maybe by a spouse who made covenant vows with you and they said they would never leave you and they left you and they betrayed you. And You know, betrayal can only come by someone who's close to you. That's why it hurts so much. You're not betrayed by people you're not close to. You're betrayed by people that are close in your inner circle. That happened to Jesus as well. You, you remember Judas, right? Judas was in his inner circle, he was in his 12. He was one of his disciples. He had been walking with him for years. He was the one that Jesus entrusted the money to. Judas carried the money bag around. That's some high level of trust. And then yet Judas betrayed him for money. Yeah. Betrayed him with a kiss. Yes. That's intimate. That's why you hear people to say, say today Judas' kiss. Or we call people a Judas if they're a betrayer. It's because of Jesus. Jesus was betrayed by someone very, very close to him. Maybe you've experienced false accusation. This is, once again, something that's very rampant in our culture today, where people can spread rumors or lies about you, and they don't even have to be true anymore. You know, that people want to believe the worst before they want to believe the best. And so now, most people are guilty until proven innocent. All you have to do is make an accusation and then your life is gonna get canceled if, if that you're on the other end of that accusation. It doesn't even have to be true. Maybe you've experienced that today as well. Maybe somebody has lied about you, falsely accused you of something. Jesus went through the same thing. I mean, he was falsely accused by the Pharisees. They made up stories about him. They, told, they made up uh, what he was trying to do. And you know what Jesus did? He never defended himself in those moments. He never said, no, no, you got it wrong. That's not my motive. He never defended himself, but he was falsely accused in a trial and many trials. At that moment, he experienced rejection. This is one I think every single person can identify with. I think we've all been, uh, we've all felt rejection at some level in our life, right? Maybe especially by people who are close to us. That's where we fear it the most, but. Probably today I'm talking to people who've experienced rejection from maybe a parent who abandoned them at a young age and they were left feeling that they were rejected and not wanted. Maybe you had a spouse that left you or said some very hurtful, painful things to you that made you feel rejected. Or even today when our younger generation, there's a massive amount of social bullying on social media that causes them to feel rejected and alone and their self-worth has gone down. Jesus was rejected as well. He was rejected by a number of people, even people closest to him. But think about the rejection that that Jesus experienced when the crowd of people chose Barabbas, a known killer, a known thug, over Jesus. he, He was openly rejected by many people, including people that once followed him and then quit following him. The Bible says that he was rejected by men, despised by men, acquainted with sorrow. Maybe you've experienced abuse. This is another one that... That Jesus experienced and i'm shocked today by the number of people that I end up talking to that experienced some level of abuse as a child And it's still affecting them to this day and it's a incredibly painful and hurtful thing Jesus experienced physical abuse beyond what we'll ever know Bible says that he was beaten beyond recognition. You couldn't even recognize him. He was so torn up in his flesh He was whipped to the point of almost Death he was spit upon punched in the face beard ripped out He experienced Incredible abuse and humiliation. And I know this is another one that we often feel today. Well, I'm just setting up for maybe things you've experienced. Jesus was humiliated publicly. He was stripped down, almost naked, and hung on a cross for all to see. The cross, again, was a picture of humiliation. And Jesus experienced all of those things in such a short time so he could say, I know what you're going through. I know you're experiencing rejection, I have too. I know you've been abused, me too. He wanted to identify with you in your pain. He wanted to understand what you have gone through. Hebrews 4.15 says that he faced everything that we face. Hebrews 2.17-18 says that it was necessary for him to be made in every respect, like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. He wanted to know and experience everything that you have ever gone through so that he could go before God and understand exactly what we've been through. says that he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of people. And Look at verse 18. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he's able to help us go through that same suffering and testing. This is why he went through it, so he could identify with you. So he could say, I know what you've gone through. His life could serve as an example to us of what to do in those most painful, excruciating moments of life. And still, through all of those things, he said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. That's the kicker. They don't know what, God, they don't really know. They think they know what they're doing, but they really don't know what they're doing. How many people do we think are? are intentionally hurting us they're intentionally trying to ruin our life they're intentionally trying to bring us pain but I promise you if they knew the damage they were really doing to you they probably would never do it but even if you think it was intentional anyway what we're doing is we're seeing through the lens of our hurt instead of seeing through the lens of their hurt see hurt people hurt people and when someone's trying to ruin your life, maybe it's because they perceive their life has been ruined by someone else. Maybe they're rejecting you because they're experiencing rejection or they experienced rejection. And when we, when we realize that hurt people hurt people, choosing to forgive gets a little bit easier because we understand they don't really know what they're doing. We can ask the questions, I wonder what they went through. I wonder why they're treating me this way. What happened to them? to make them want to be this way towards me? What kind of pain must they have experienced to want to inflict that kind of pain on me? They don't know what they're doing is what Jesus was saying. You see, forgiving those who hurt you is the key to not being permanently victimized. You see we we stay stuck in the place of victim mentality when we don't forgive someone else. I know people to this day are still blaming something that happened to them or someone that hurt them years ago for why they are where they are today. And when you choose not to forgive them or release them, you stay stuck where you are because you cannot overcome that which you choose to hold on to. As long as you're holding on to that pain, as long as you're holding on to that person, they will have power over you in this present moment. See, when when pain comes, when people hurt you, when people do you wrong, you have two choices. You can keep rehearsing that over and over again. And the more you rehearse that incident, the more you rehearse that pain, the more you rehearse what they did to you or said to you, the further you sink into that depression and that pain and that hurt. So you have the choice to rehearse it or the choice to release it. You can hang on to it and use it as a crutch and an excuse, or you can let it go. You can't ever move on holding on to it though. That person, that event will always end up having power over you. But here's the reality is forgiveness is releasing not just them, but it's releasing you. In my study this week, I read this quote by a man named Lewis Smeads and I thought it was powerful. He said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. See, we think that we're holding them captive. We think that we've got something over them. Oh, you did this to me and I'm never letting that go. And in reality, you're holding yourself captive. And you're the one that never gets out of the jail that you built for yourself. See, we need to understand though, this is why people don't forgive is they don't understand what forgiveness is. We often, we often are confused about what forgiveness really is. Let me tell you, forgiveness is not minimizing what happened. It's not going, it wasn't that big a deal. No, it maybe it was a big deal. And it maybe really did hurt. So it's not minimizing what happened. Forgiveness is not condoning what happened. It's not saying that it was right or that it was okay or that person was right in their actions. I know early on in my marriage with Tandra, I struggled to forgive her over certain things because I thought it was saying what you did was okay. And so you'll just keep doing it. But that's not, it's not condoning those actions at all. It, it has nothing to do with that. It's not, it's not doing that. It's something else I'll get to in a minute. Forgiveness is also not reconciliation. I mean, it's great if there can be reconciliation. That is the goal. God is a God that reconciles and restores and you want reconciliation, but reconciliation requires two people. Forgiveness does not require two people. You want to work towards reconciliation, but to forgive does not require that that person be reconciled to you. In fact, in some cases, you can forgive the person and not let them have influence in your life still. Boundaries may still need to be set up because they may be a person still hurting, acting out of their hurt, and you may need to create some boundaries, but you can still forgive them without coming to a place of reconciliation. And forgiveness, by definition, it isn't fair. We have to say, well, it's not fair if I forgive them. By definition, it's not fair because forgiveness is a releasing of a debt. It is a letting go of something that is owed to you, right? And I promise you, you don't want forgiveness that's fair. Because none of us deserve the forgiveness that God gave to us. All of us had a debt we could not pay in our sin. It was too great. And yet we were forgiven by God. This is why we need God to help us. Because none of us on our own are good enough, strong enough, or loving enough to forgive everyone who's ruining our life. We need God's help. We often you often hear the phrase that people say, well, God won't give you more than you can handle. Yes, he will. That's not in the Bible. People get that confused with a place that says God won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle, but he will give you more than you can handle so you will lean into him for a strength you don't have on your own. It's very difficult to forgive on your own if you're trying to do it out of your own strength. See, forgiveness requires that you lean into God for strength you don't have in your natural ability. And as long as you keep trying to doing it from yourself, you'll keep failing at it. But as long as you lean into God and say, I need your help in this, he will grant you what you need to be able to forgive and move on. With God's help, we can choose to forgive. So how do you forgive those who hurt you? I'm gonna give you some practical ways that we see in scripture to do that today. And the first one, if you're taking notes and people who take notes are closer to Jesus. Um, <laughs> I'm just being serious. Uh, Just kidding. You won't be closer to these, but you'll have these to look back on later when you need them, and that is good. All right, so the first thing is, is pray for them. Pray for them. I know some of you are like, yeah, I'll pray for them, all right. I've been praying for them. Lord, I pray, God, that they would be sick to their stomach today. I pray that they would go broke, Lord, you know. (laughs) I pray that they get the bug that's going around so they know what they did to me was wrong. <laughs> I pray they lose their hair, Lord. No, I'm just kidding. This is a wrong kind of prayer. That's not what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are like, in the Old Testament, no. <laughs> it is Old Testament. No. Pray for them. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44. He said, you, you've heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Because it's easy to hate those that hate you. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You could translate that, pray for those who are hurting you. Pray for those who are doing wrong to you. Pray for those who are trying to ruin your life. See, why is this so powerful? Because it's impossible to pray for someone and still hate them. Because the love of God grows inside of you for them while you're praying for them. So I was looking this up in the original language, this verse, the New Testament was written in Greek. So I was looking up that word pray, I was like, what does this really mean here? And And in the Greek, the word pray, this is fascinating, it means to exchange wishes, literally to interact with the Lord by switching human wishes or ideas or desires for his wishes or ideas or desires while he imparts faith for you to do it. So when I pray for someone, I'm exchanging my desire for them for God's desire for them. I'm exchanging my ideas of what I'd like to happen to them for what God's ideas of what he'd like to happen for them. And he lends us his faith while we do it. That means you can't do it in your own ability. I think that's so powerful. See, forgiveness is giving the pain over to God and asking him to intercede on behalf of the person that hurts you. It's trusting him with it. I'll never forget uh, many years ago, you know, being a pastor or a pastor's kid growing up, you get to see the best of people and you get to see the most difficult times for people. And sometimes you're on the receiving end of some of that painful things in life. And I'll never uh, forget one time where there had been a person who had betrayed my dad, who had falsely accused him, who was openly speaking negatively about him. And my mom walked by his room one night and she told me that she heard him praying for this person, praying that God's will would be done in their life, praying God's best for them. And it really challenged her and broke her. And she told me this story and I've seen him give grace over and over and over again and pray for people that have hurt him. It's the way to move on. It's the way to forgive is to say, God, I'm gonna pray for those, even those who have hurt me at the deepest level. And here's what you have to understand about when you pray for them. Your prayers for others may not change them, but they will always change you. We're not praying, God, just, you change them, Lord. No, God, change me in this process. Let my heart be transformed in the process, why? Because I don't want the root of bitterness to grow deep into my heart. The scripture talks about how a root of bitterness will grow up inside of you if you don't choose to let this go. If you stay offended, if you stay hurt, if you stay mad at someone else, a root of bitterness will grow in your heart. When you pray for them and you forgive them, you're saying, I'm not allowing this poison to stay in my system. It's not gonna affect me or the people around me anymore. And the first step to doing that is to pray for them. The second one is this bless them yeah. this is all in scripture romans 12 14 says bless those who persecute you those who do wrong to you those who are trying to ruin your life don't curse them that's what you want to do that's what it says pray. <laughs> someone said you right pray that god will bless them what does what does bless mean it means to speak well of means to praise. It means to speak well on their behalf. Oh, that's challenging. Because I, I certainly don't want to do that sometimes. Our tendency is like, you don't know what they said about me. You don't know what they did. We want to tell everybody else what they did so they'll know how bad of a person that person was. Oh, watch yourself. They're going to cut you when you're not looking. That's not speaking well of. That's not blessing them. That's a, cha- that's a challenge, isn't it, Right? I remember this story as I was studying this week. I remember this story of a man, I think his name was Melvin. And uh, this, this guy, this other business guy had been speaking so poorly of this man, Melvin, openly and publicly. He had been slandering him. He had been, de- I guess it's called defamation, just tearing him down publicly. And so a reporter came to Melvin and said, what do you think about this guy that's saying all that? Can you, have you heard all those things he's saying about you? What do you, what do you think about him? And Melvin said, well, I think he's a good guy and he has good intentions. And the reporter was like, how can you say that? After everything that he's saying about you, after how horribly he's speaking about you, how can you say that? And he said, well, you didn't ask what he thought of me. You asked what I thought of him. See, blessing someone is not determined by what they think of you or what they've said about you. It doesn't require that they say good things about you. It's easy to bless those who bless you It's easy to talk well about those that talk well about you. It's difficult when they're not doing that. It's difficult when they're cursing you. It's difficult when they're trying to ruin your life. But Jesus says, bless them. Look at Luke 6, 27 and 28. And I think it's powerful because you have to make this choice willingly. He says, but to you who are willing to listen, and I pray today we're willing to listen. Those of you have ears to hear is what he's saying. I say, love your enemies Do good to those that hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who hurt you. That's all three things right there in one. That leads me to the third one, which is do good to them. We're gonna pray for them, we're gonna bless them, then we're gonna do good to them. And right now, some of you are thinking, that's a little far, Pastor. (laughs) Pray for them, Uh, okay, that seems like the godly thing to do. Bless them, I don't know about that. You know, like, you are a great person, you know. Really hope, really hope they do well, you know. I'll do that, I'll grit my teeth and say something nice. But do good to them? Uh Uh-uh, I don't know, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can do that, especially after what they did to me. Doesn't the Bible say do unto others as they do to you? I heard someone say, no, the Bible says do unto others before they do to you. I was like, no, that's not it either. You're getting it wrong. <laughs> it's doing to others as you would want them to do to you, right? Not, not how they treat you, but how you would want to be treated in those situations. It, it really doesn't even have anything to do with them. One of the things that we teach our kids and we, we tell them, listen, you're not responsible for what they do to you. You're responsible for what you do to them. You're not gonna be judged one day on what someone else did to you. You're going to be judged on what you did to them. We always say your response is your responsibility. I, I can't tell you people won't hurt you again because they will. But you, you can't change what they do to you, but you can change what you do to them. And doing good to them even when they hurt you is where forgiveness comes into play. Sometimes I think we feel that we're responsible for how they respond. We're responsible for whether they repent we think we're responsible for whether they change their actions or not, but we're not. That's up to God. Like th- that's up to God to transform the heart. Our job is just to forgive them yeah. and to move on. Look at what Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 21 says. It says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, so that everybody can see your life and say, hey, that person's doing what's honorable. If possible, so far as it depends on them, no, I read that wrong. So far as it depends on you, meaning it has nothing to do with how they treat you. Live peaceably with all. It's up to you. Then he says in verse 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. This is doing good to them. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That last verse right there is so powerful to me, and it reminds me of a time when my daughter Emma and I were praying together before I left for work one morning, and she's my early riser, and we were praying together, and then I got ready to leave the house, and she comes around and she says, Dad, don't let the devil conquer you. You conquer the devil today. And then she gave me a fist bump. And I walked out that house ready to conquer the world. I was like, come on, let's do it. You know, I was ready. She fired me up. I was, I was like, I'm not going to be conquered today, you know. I needed that little bit of encouragement. But this is, this is powerful. How do you overcome evil? By doing good. How do you overcome those who've hurt you? By doing good. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. If they're hungry, feed them. And then he said something really interesting In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I'd love to heap some burning coals on someone's head today. I want them to feel the fire, the heat. That's what hell is like if you keep treating me this way. You know, like some of you want that, right? And I I did a lot of research on this particular phrase because it's also mentioned in Proverbs 25. And I was like, okay, what does this really mean? And there's a lot of controversy on what it actually means. Maybe not controversy, but disagreements, right? Some people believe that it means to heat burning coals on their head means that they would feel the heat of God's wrath and would cause them to feel shame. But God doesn't cause you to feel shame. That's the enemy's job. One of the things that I like that I read that would have made a lot of sense, and I think it's a powerful picture if we can get this, that coal, hot coals, burning coals were a commodity in that day. They were something very valuable because it's how you heated your house. It's how you heated your food. And if your coals went out, it would be like you pouring these hot coals into a bucket that they would carry on their head back to their house so they would relight the fire in their house. I loved this picture because what if you're forgiving them? What if you're praying for them? What if you're blessing them? What if you're doing good for them? Would relight the fire inside of their home for Jesus? That's the picture I can get behind. You can heap these burning coals and saying, "Hey, by the way I treat you, a fire is going to be relit inside of you, because it's Jesus in me that allows me to do these things." Once again, you're not responsible for what they do to you; you're just responsible for what you do to them. And sometimes that's hard for us, for honest, because we want to make people earn what we didn't earn ourselves. We wanna make people earn forgiveness when we couldn't earn forgiveness ourselves. The Bible says, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you've received forgiveness, freely we're supposed to give forgiveness. There's so many places in scripture I could share this, but I just chose one in Colossians three thirteen. It says, make allowance for each other's faults. In other words, people are gonna mess up. They're gonna hurt you. They're gonna ruin, ruin your day. But forgive anyone who offends you. It's interesting, that word anyone means anyone. It's it's not deep. Remember, remember, this is how you do it. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. How do you do it? You remember, the Lord forgave you. Of a debt you couldn't pay. You didn't earn it. Don't make them earn it. You can just Forgive them. And true forgiveness comes from the gratitude in your heart for the forgiveness that you've received from God. That's why Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples how to pray, by the way, we call it the model prayer, the Lord's prayer. It's how we encourage people to pray daily. One of the phrases he said was, Forgive us our debts as we forgive others their debts. That means daily we've got to go through this process of saying, God, forgive me as I forgive others. I think that's interesting. What if your forgiveness is predicated on how you forgive others? As I forgive others? See, forgiveness doesn't just flow to us or from us, it flows through us. We're able to give forgiveness because of the great amount of forgiveness that we have received. And I know some people today, you're in a painful place. Maybe you've been hanging on to some things that have happened to you, maybe it day ago a week ago a year ago 10 years ago and you're saying today look they don't deserve it that's not the question the question isn't do they deserve forgiveness it's do I desire freedom that's the question you have to ask yourself do they deserve forgiveness none of us deserve forgiveness but the reality is do you desire freedom and if so you got to let it go you got to release them it's, the mo- it's one of the most difficult things to do but the more you do it the more free you become the more you forgive the more you grow and the more you realize forgiven people simply forgive if you've been forgiven how could we not forgive those who are trying to ruin our life and I just want to encourage some people today I know it's difficult I'm not saying it's easy but with God's help you can do it with god's help you can let it go you're just going to be a person who decides today i'm not going to let this person this incident this thing ruin my life anymore i'm going to live in freedom by freely forgiving anybody and everyone who's hurt me today how i wanted to end this time together i just want to take a moment and i want to go to the lord in prayer because i believe the holy spirit is speaking to people today and so wherever you are would you just take a minute and bow your head with me and I want us to just listen for a minute and say, God, what are you trying to tell me today? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to me? Maybe, maybe someone came to your mind. Maybe a number of people came to your mind today. And you're like, you know what? I really, truly haven't forgiven that person. And how you know is you really can't pray for them. You really can't bless them. And you're still mad at them. And Holy Spirit, I just ask you to speak to each and every one of us. If there's people that we've not forgiven. If there's people that we're still holding on to and, I pray that we'd get the revelation today that we're the ones that are bound and that we'll never move on into everything that you have for us. We'll never get past this bad moment until we let it go. We'll Always stay a victim. And I just pray today, God, that you'd give us the courage, you'd give us the strength, you'd give us the grace to forgive as you've forgiven us. So right now, wherever you are, if someone's come to your mind, I want you to transact with God and I just want you to say, God, I forgive them. And then say their name. Say, God, I forgive them. You may need to say a person's name. You may, I forgive my mom. I forgive John. Maybe it's a spouse who hurt you and you haven't let go of that in the past. Maybe maybe they're not even alive anymore and God brings them to your mind. Don't allow them to continue to keep you in bondage. To say, I forgive them and release it. Thank you, God. And maybe, maybe you're here today you're having a hard time with this maybe it's because you don't even you've never even received the forgiveness that God has given you and it starts with that I'm telling you I don't know how anybody else can forgive without first having received the forgiveness that God has given us for a debt that we could never pay back and maybe today that's your next step maybe your next step today is to say God I I need to give you my full life I need to be forgiven of my sins so I can move on with what you have for me. And if that's you today with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to raise your hand and say, you know what, that's me. You're talking to me. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to, I wanna go all in with him. I'm I'm coming back to him. Maybe maybe I'm coming back to him or I'm doing it for the first time. But you need to be forgiven so that you can choose to forgive. Let's take a minute and pray with those who are making this decision. And let's all pray together to help them in this. Just say, God, I come to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin forgive me for trying to do things my way I give you my life today and I choose to follow you this day and every day forward in Jesus name amen amen come on can we celebrate with those that are making that decision today Thanks for joining us today. I pray this message encouraged you, inspired you, and maybe even challenged you a little bit. If you made a decision for Jesus, we are celebrating with you. Welcome to the family of God. We would love to know about it. So message us online or you can text YESCARD to 903-200-3808 and let us know what decision you made. We wanna come alongside you, help you find a local church. It's very important to be connected to the local body of Christ, whether with us or somewhere else. So let us know so we can help you and let you know your next steps with Jesus. I'd love to see you real soon in person, but until then, know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying God's best in your life. God bless you.